Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Now, I need you all for a project. James Jeffries, a friend of Robert's, is sponsoring Dumpty Dum. He is very nearly as clever as Robert and actually slightly more creative. He builds prototypes for the web and does some amazing things with data for arts and culture. In fact, I may ask him to work on the village website if I can loosen Jennifer's grip on the thing. He's worked with all the best people, you know. The BBC Research and Development team, creating interactive story explorers for Homefront and Peaky Blinders. For the London Philharmonic Orchestra, creating a prototype of a searchable archive of their historic performances. Once, he even built some tweeting receipt printers for a Bill Drummond exhibition. Now, that's the kind of innovation we need for the Village Show. So if you'd like to talk to him about your project idea, you could get in touch with him at Robert, Robert, what's his email address? James at shedcode.co.uk. That's James at S-H-E-D-C-O-D-E dot co dot U-K. Or you could have a browse of his website, shedcode.co.uk. Do tell him I was looking for him if you see him, won't you? I want him to design me a digital resurgum stone. <laughs> This is Dum Dum, the show about the reality docudrama that is centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the sit-down mower that is Royfield Brown. The sit-on mower. Oh, whatever. Sit-down mower. Isn't it the same thing? No. You have a sit-on or a ride-on, but not a sit-down mower. You have a sit-down dinner if you're common at a wedding. I always have sit-down dinners at all weddings that I go to. Gosh. I'm so the wrong side of the class divide as far as you're concerned, aren't I? <laughs> I am the sit on mower that is Royfield Brown, and with me I have the clapped out fly mower that is Lucy Freeman. And the last part of Josh Archer's business empire, folks, is you. Now, this week's Dumpty Dum comes from Miriam and Bertie the Dumpty Dog, 
And uh, warm the cockles of my heart did that one, Lucy. Yeah, it's very sweet. It's very sweet indeed. Now, Juicy Loose, if someone wants to send us in a dum-de-dum, how can they do that? If you would like to sing us a dum-de-dum, leave us a plot prediction or fan the flames of a family rift just before Christmas and then hoot, <laughs> oh, but it wasn't me, then ring us on 0203031105 or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Thanks to Cosmo for his podcast roundups, to Shed Code for sponsoring us, and to Derek for the loan of the back bedroom. Um, Derek is very impressed with Kenton's new car. Um, and it sort of inspired him. He's giving his Vauxhall prostate the once over uh, before he sells it. Um, he asked <laughs> Auntie Cardboard if she'd give him a hand, but then sent her away because he said whatever she was doing was making his nuts tighten. Hey, hey, <laughs> you. <laughs> on this week's episode we have calls from steve smith who's coming clean claire from clapham with a plot prediction blythe spirit oh i love me some blythe spirit who thinks brian's heading for a fourth Frey, who says a happy christmas is impossible andrew horn is enjoying the panto and chris who thinks we may have a new premiership arrival in ambridge mm. well i don't felpersham are supposed to play in the second division are they yeah. I know. I wrote Premiership and then thought, I don't even know what that means properly, but I know it sounds like a football-y thing, so I'll just leave it in. And then Royfield will no doubt point out that it's wrong and remove it. And they stopped calling it the Premiership about 10 years ago. It's the Premier League. Oh, really? Oh, really? <laughs> oh, dear. Mm. We still say the hit parade, though, don't we? Uh, no. Okay. Mm, right. Mm. But first, before I correct Lucy, are many more modern utterances <laughs> in modern British society. It's Juicy and Lucy Freeman's Week in Ambridge. <laughs> Irritating Josh is buying and selling a motor mower. He drove a hard bargain with Richard Thwaite, but haggling with someone who's lost the power of speech would be quite easy, I'd have thought. It's one of those ride-on mowers that silly men use to pretend they're on a jeep in MASH. I don't mind Josh being successful. I just wish he didn't have to skywrite it. Josh is also turning into the biggest copper's narc since Sammy Gravano. Every time his back's against the wall, out pops a little nugget of information about Pippa, one of the fair brethren. God knows I'm not keen on the pair of them. But this is a very unpleasant trait, and Josh better watch it or he'll wake up one morning with a turkey head on his pillow. Mind you, Pip has to wake up Toby's head on hers, so that's just as bad. Not that she's saint-like, as she trotted off to Uncle Kenton and said, My daddy's cross with you because you spent money on a new car and you should have given him the money instead. Anyway, bye, Toby. Quite frankly, they deserve each other. Susan is on the alert about Justin and Lillian. How can you tell? asked Krusty. Oh, just little things, said Susan. Little glances, the way they act so well together. The fact that he had her thong on his head and she insists on delivering her line straight into his crotch. Over at the ball, Marco the bald barman is in trouble. Did we know there was a new barman <laughs> called Marco and he was bald? Nope, me neither. Well, now Kenton, with the kind of business acumen that's made him the successful capitalist giant he is now, lurching from one half-assed celebration to another, has hired the most untrustworthy man in Ambridge, fresh for operating his illegal still and bringing unlicensed alcohol into his pub, to be his barman. Brilliant. Next week, Rob Titchener takes over the nursery at Loxley Barrett. Reliable Rex decided to handle the turkey murdering all by himself and began to quite enjoy it once Toby turned up to tell Rex his brilliant idea. 
I've been kicked off David's farm for putting up an illegal still. So I've decided to put up an illegal still on David's farm. (laughs) David and Jill are having a fabulous time stomping about. And Ruth is doing some excellent parenting, really proactive by, quote, just hoping Toby goes off with someone else, unquote. Anyway, Ruth was her usual unselfish self and said, I missed Christmas last year because I was on holiday in New Zealand, so I want an extra special Christmas, so you've all just got to keep smiling and not make me sad. No one sent you to New Zealand, love. You went because you were having a gigantic strop. Kate designed the kind of costumes for the panto that RuPaul would dismiss as a bit over the top. Kenton appears to be playing Mother Goose as Rob Wilton, one for the kids there. We were treated to a frankly agonising scene in which Toby Fairbrother appeared to have a strenuous poo on stage. Speaking of seasonal (laughs) birds, Clary's done all of their turkeys. It's a full Grundy family operation, which makes Clary a mother plucker. And we saw the return of Anna Toboggan. Back from her Sound of Music holiday, happily, Rob got his hours with Giddy Jack reduced and Anna did a very good job, especially while still dressed in a full nun's habit and a sombrero she hadn't been home to change. I thought Anisha Jaya Cody was nice, but she is now not nice, apparently. She was a bit brusque with Usha, but was happily unbothered about Blossom Hills Cottage's recent history. Oh, I'm not worried about Bill of Bolognese up the wall. Oh, is it not Bolognese? Over at Home Farm, Brian is going to have to liquidate some assets. Lillian would liquidate quite easily. She's 80% gin anyway. In fact, if you used a hairbrush, you'd fail a breathalyzer test. Adam went trotting off to his Peggy Bank to discuss Brian's ridiculous plans to expand the farm and make it profitable. What kind of flighty thinking is that? So much better to plant weeds everywhere and usher the cows from one bit to another like harried Christmas shoppers. Anyway, it doesn't matter because Debbie, who is running a Hungarian farm while appearing on the West End stage and also in the latest series of episodes, says it is a bad idea and we always listen to Debbie when she rings up and shouts at us from a long way away. Sometimes she shouts at us on Skype so we can see her shouting and that's even better. Uh, Kenton's big end has gone. So he went with Elizabeth to car car showroom where the overprivileged twins were being brought a car. On the way we had the first I'm seriously regretting getting involved in this show. It's like a sort of advent calendar of the Christmas show. Day seven, I'll never learn these lines. Day eight, I'm sorry Linda but what with X coming up I'm going to have to back out of the play. Day nine. Well, that's it, Robert. I'm going to have to cancel the show. Day 10. Oh, come on, Lindy, you can do it. Oh, all right, then. Anyway, it is very, very difficult to have a scene in a car showroom where you're not allowed to mention the make of any car. We had a lot of no, not that blue one, the red one next to it that made Kenton and Elizabeth sound faintly retarded. Anyway, we ended up with Kenton saying to Elizabeth, are you after small and nippy or cheap and solid? And she said, well, I generally prefer them married and hung like a wildebeest. The end. <laughs> that's, that's really good. I quite enjoyed that this week. Well done, Lucy. Thank you. Just trying to think of what cars actually have got mentioned on the Archers. Obviously, there's the MG. Yeah. And I'm somebody... Tractor makes, they can say. Mm. But did you know? Did you notice that, though, on the car showroom thing? They said, that 4x4. They said, what about that one? Oh, that's one of the ones that the students drive. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was yeah, all yeah, very yeah. kind of... But you think, it was a golf. Just say it was a golf. <laughs> <laughs> it was ridiculous. Mm. Yeah, I... Sure, has anybody not said the Range Ro- the, the Land Rover before? In my head, they have, but I don't remember. Uh, 
I don't. I think they more often say in the four by four. Yeah, you're probably right. You're right about most things, actually. And I don't think. I mean, I always imagine. Uh, um, I always imagine Brian and Jennifer driving a Merc, but that's only because the couple that I know that remind me of Brian and Jennifer drive a Merc. So I just always mm. imagine imagine that in my in my head but i don't think we we know the makes of any of them do we no no other than the tony and his mg that that's yeah it. yeah crumbs well spotted loose because i was flummoxed by that whole scene but in typical me fashion right i didn't realize why i was flummoxed and it was and it was completely because yeah they weren't saying the makes of the cast going oh that one this one that one blah blah yeah blah, blah, blah. oh no <laughs> But but which one? Oh, that one. The one oh, that's, that's cleared it up the then. The you were looking at just now. Oh, the blue one. No, the red one. Oh, <laughs> silly. <laughs> but then it's such a visual thing, isn't it? Mm. And the relief when Kenton said, oh, look at that four by four. And I thought, thank God we can actually visualise what he's talking about. That's much so, better. So what do you reckon he has got? What, Kenton? Mm. Oh, I think it's one of those stupid Daihatsu things. What, like the mini? Like uh, the... Land Cruiser or something like that poor man's four by four yeah yeah Yeah. all right you know the kind of thing that you see being when you when you live in the country you see them being pulled out of ditches on snowy days by mini metros (laughs) (laughs) that's what that's run for the grandparents mini metro (laughs) who's that entertainer that who you mentioned he said it was for the kids oh rob wilton Mm. he used to do a he was he was in world war ii um and he used to do a monologue um, where he used a slightly camp, very old, fussy old man sort of voice. And it's the voice that Kenton's using for um, the goose. Oh. And he, was, he did um, monologues about his wife, about how he was trying to um, uh, sign up for the war, to, to try and volunteer for the war. And, uh, and his wife kept saying to him, well, what good are you? What good are you? And he kept saying, what good am I? And he's describing how he could go and join the fire service. And she said, no, you can't because you've got a bad back and all this sort of thing. He's, he's basically he's saying he's too old to be of any use to anyone. And um, he was very, very popular. And he performed at Windsor Castle. He was the Princess Elizabeth's favourite, one of their favourite comedians. Goodness. Which is usually the kiss of death because anyone that the royal family finds funny... <laughs> Apart from Spike Milligan, it's usually the, you know, that's the end. It's all over then. Once they've appeared on the Royal Radical performance, that's the beginning of the end. That's not true. They're like Billy Connolly too. Do they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Big fans. Big fans. Uh-huh. Mm. But I hear you though. I hear you though. Uh, so, last week, anything caught your fancy? Uh- Catch your ear? Um, I don't know what is going on with Jill. It now seems to, I was talking about this with, I went for a dog walk with Derek Fletcher right. when he was trying to get me to understand his unfeasibly large equipment again because I just you, can't handle it. Did you do, so you did lots of talking whilst you were walking? I did, yes. All right. <laughs> and um, uh, I'm laughing because Royfield is making an allusion to my forthcoming podcast, Walkie Talkie. Hey. Thank you. Um, Derek said, he said, didn't you think it was odd when Jill said, um, about Blossom Hill Cottage, that was the first uh, place that she'd lived with yeah. Phil. And she said that was her first house. And Grace never lived there. And David just sort of went, what? Oh, uh, and then just sort of skated over it. But she does sound she is getting slightly 
overly obsessive. It's not just like self-protection with Pip now. It seems to be slightly more, uh, I don't know, about her. It's It seems to well, be slightly all, it's more... It's always been about her. And um, Toby's just been, you know, cover. But it's yeah. always been about her. And, you know, as, as we've always said, you know, Toby is an ass. And actually, you know, I've decided to give up the punditry game. Because last week I very clearly said that he's a blunderbuss. He's an idiot. He's a blunderbuss. But he doesn't actually have a side to him. He does have a side to him. He's starting yeah. to reveal that at the end of this week. So I know everybody disregards what I say, but everybody disregard what I say, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> the hell I'm talking about. If ever people no, needed to know that, means that I win the bet. Yay! No, no, what, what are you talking about? No, I. I don't understand how somebody like you who's got such a command of the English language and writes the way that you do cannot understand the difference between he's an arse, but he loves her. In his head, he loves her. Still, the two things are not in conflict with each other, Lucy. Okay, so did Rob love Helen? That's a much more complicated question because he's, he's psychologically a damaged individual. I couldn't answer that. I couldn't answer that. But I'm telling you that for for Toby, love vis-a-vis a man and a woman is about fidelity. He's not shagging about. Is he good for her? No. Is he self-centered? Yes. In the way that he understands love, does he love her? Yes. And the two things are not in conflict. The fact that he's an ass, but he's in love with her. And I've been saying this over and over and people are like, oh, well, there you go. That proves that Royfield's wrong. It's like, no, when he goes off, and I'm not saying that he won't next week or after Christmas, goes off with somebody else, then by Toby's definition, he'll be out of love. But the fact that he's not spraying his seed all over the county, he's in love with Pip. Yeah, what a revolting expression. Spraying his seed all over. He sounds well, like he's got I one of those thought that was pretty apt. It's an agricultural, and... well, it's an agricultural podcast, isn't it? I thought that's quite <laughs> apt, really. Yuck. More like a muck spreader. <laughs> that's exactly what it is, actually. <laughs> Chucking it all out the back all over the shop. Mm. <laughs> and I, their windows up. Mm, I didn't quite understand um, the the way that Rex capitulated so easily vis-a-vis the still. But it's it's some some device it's some device for something. And I and I I don't quite understand their, their dynamic at all. But you know, it is what it is. Huh. Huh. I did really, really feel sorry for Helen as well. But there's remarkably little is being made about the effect of seeing Rob on her. Because she was very anxious before the hearing and she said, and she said, Oh, where are they? Where are they? And she said, it's all right. They're around the corner, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Cause it is, I mean, even if you bump into an ex and it's ended reasonably, it can still give you a bit of a, oh, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it can still shake you up a little bit. Well, I think what, what this is bump writing... into an abusive ex. I mean, that's, that's different, but I, I don't, I it just sort of, feels as if you know she said oh i'm never going to be free of him because you know um poor jack's got to have him in his life for the for the next 16 years blah 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 but it seems that she she's actually she doesn't seem overly concerned about seeing him for herself she's just concerned about the boys now Mm. well i think for me how this all kind of makes sense is that they're slowly 
reversing out of this storyline in terms of her. There is still what is Rob going going to do, but yeah. you could actually have literally days of her recounting things um, which which what have happened, and then her taking not just baby steps, but very positive steps of regaining her confidence. And they're doing that, but a lot of it we have to kind of assume in between the scenes because things are moving on somewhat somewhat of a pace, you know. So we've got her driving again. We had that a few a few weeks ago. There was a scene, I, I, it might have been yesterday, I, can't, I really can't remember, where Jennifer said to somebody, oh, isn't she looking so young, etc. So we've got to infer that she's starting to eat a little bit more. Yeah, etc. So, and I think kind of this is kind of really what we need because we are we, we at least we not that we definitely know, but we do believe that there's about to be something else, don't we? Um, vis a vis Rob and uh, you know tr- him not being able to see Giddy Jack now uh, twice a week, you know. So we we believe that there has to be some kind of flare up. So them pushing her story slightly sidewards gives us room to explore uh, the new storylines of obviously what's happening um, with uh, Brian and this land deal, slightly the fallout of people knowing, or at least suspecting that Lillian's uh, bonking Justin, etc. The fact that Justin is got his grips into the village in lots of unsavory ways as well as uh financially uh, and and then we'll have this big blow up and then hopefully after that and she realizes that she's strong and capable then she can kind of uh take another step backwards really because you mm. know as i've said over and over and over um you know she has helen archer has actually dominated this show for the best part of five years she absolutely has yeah yeah Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Yes. 
we have some lovely rude maps to give away from our lovely friends at marvelousmaps.com. You just simply uh, get in touch with us, however you like, Twitter or email or whatever, um, and let us know the answer to this question. What was the name of Jack Woolley's dog? What was the name of Jack Woolley's dog? Uh, Okay, good luck. Mm. Right, should we do some calls? Hello, Ambridge 3962. Uh, all right then, let's go to the caller in Who's first, Lucy? Steve Smith. Now, Steve is the husband of Christine, who and they are cycling mm-hmm. around the world together. Bicycle, bicycle, bicycle. I want to ride my bicycle, bicycle, bicycle. I want to ride my bicycle. I want to ride my bike. Hello to Lucy, Royfield and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. I'm Steve. I'm the hubby of Christine the Globetrotter. As everyone now knows, I've been listening to the Archers for over 10 years. And I thought you might like to hear my side of the story about why I became a closet listener. At this point, I should say that has nothing to do with toilets, as um, Lucy alleged originally. I can assure you nobody wants to know anything about my toilet habits. Neither Christine nor I are big consumers of mass media. Um, So I took delight in teasing her as she'd listened to The Arches every night at seven o'clock over the years. I should say that we've been married uh, nearly 33 years by now. Anyway, I started listening on long, boring drives home from work as a way of passing the time. It seemed easier not to tell her that I'd taken a few steps over the dark side. As the weeks and months progressed, I was dragged into the storylines more and more. And at the same time, it became part of the game not to tell Christine, or more particularly, our three children that I'd succumbed. I should mention that I stopped teasing her at this point, a role into which our eldest son stepped most nobly. There have been many times over the years when I've considered coming out, as it were, to Christine about my habit, but I restrained myself. However, the traumatic stabbing earlier this year was such a milestone that I felt the time had come, and I feel much better for it. I realise I've only complied with one of Royfield's rules for new caller inners so far. Like Christine, I'm a retired accountant, now cycling around the world, which is no use to anyone but great fun. I started listening about 10 or 11 years ago, but I really didn't know who the new characters were at the time, and I suppose I might guess at Cam and Sam. Would he have an appropriately dark side to his character? Oh, and a final point. As for Royfield's suggestion that we join the tractor cluster in Houston to sing the newer Dumpty Dum, you must be clinically insane, Royfield. Christine and I haven't got a musical bone in our bodies. There would be 35,000 listeners around the world with bleeding eardrums, dogs howling, and lawsuits heading your way if we were to 
um, have a go at singing or humming to you and you were to broadcast it. Anyway, that's it from me. Uh, from a fairly chilly Florida at the moment, there's a cold front coming in and it's still positive, but about only about five degrees. Have fun. Speak to you soon. You're absolutely right, Steve. Nobody does want to know about your lavatorial habits. I can't believe you said it, it was easier not to tell her. That's so mean. But I'm glad you stopped teasing her. And don't worry that you haven't got a musical bone in your body, uh, which means that you, you say that that's the reason why you can't do Dumpty Dum. Have If you ever listen to our Dumpty Dums, you will know that about only 10% of the people that do them have that's got harsh. a musical bone that's in their body. very harsh and <laughs> no, not I'm concluding, very I'm including us when we do it as well. They are a joyous noise, but... A lot of them are not musical. They are just great. Mm. And we'll settle for that. Uh, so keep on pedalling. We're very glad you're listening. And um, I know you said, um, you know, we're not being any use to anybody, but I think you're, what you're doing is absolutely fabulous. I really do. I think it's brilliant. Uh, and if I could cycle more than 10 yards without falling off, I would like to do it as well. <laughs> um, next call is Claire from Clapham. Hi Dumpty Dum, it's Claire from Clapham here. Um, I just wanted to reflect a bit on uh, Rob and Alan and the conversations that they've been having. Um, I wasn't sure how realistic it was that Rob would start confiding in the vicar, especially since his mum suggested that it would be a good idea and he would instinctively not do the thing that Ursula thought was good. Um, and then after this week's thing about, you know, Alan having a crisis of confidence about whether humanity can be redeemed, um, I realised that maybe it's not so much about Rob at all and it's more about the sort of annual give the cricker, vicar a Christmas storyline thing um, about whether Alan will have some sort of crisis of faith at Christmas. Um, if it's that, then I'm quite disappointed, really. Um, I think it's been quite interesting to get Alan's perspective on Rob, especially now that he agrees with all of us that he's completely irredeemable. And um, my plot prediction around all this is that there will be some massive showdown at Christmas and the vicar, there'll be like a hostage situation or something, and, and Alan will have to go and be the hostage negotiator. There you go. That's my thoughts. And um, keep up the good work. We love Dumpty Dum. And uh, one day I'll record a Dumpty Dum with my friend Jenny, who I keep threatening to make do it. So see you soon. Bye. Yes, I am with you. It's all going to happen at Christmas. And I don't think it's going to be a crisis of faith, but I completely love the idea that Alan will be the hostage negotiator. It'll be like Die Hard <laughs> or something. You'll be in a vest, all sweaty like Bruce Willis. Um, do you think if Vickers, if he just wears a vest, he'd just still have to wear his white collary thing? <laughs> Good job Bruce Willis was the vicar. Um, yes, there's going to be, there's going to be a Christmas thing because Christmas tends to sort of accelerate emotions, doesn't it? And accelerate mm. situations and things. Yeah. And and if, if one more person says, oh, well, that, thank God this year we're going to have a quiet, calm Christmas. I keep thinking, oh, shut up, because you, of course it's not going to be, for God's sake. Uh, yes, it's all going to kick off. Mm. So my money is on. Uh, I'm completely nicking Claire's idea and agreeing with her. My money is on 
uh, hostage situation with Alan as the negotiator. Well, I, I hope you... not. I hope not. Right, Claire, I really do hope not. Though, um, I know we've talked about it before. Uh, and there's been what? Is this the third or the fourth uh, Alan and uh, Rob interaction? And this, for me, by far was the the, the weakest. But you did, you know, Alan was completely revealed as flesh and blood and just not a man of the cloth, not not a saint. And he just said, I just don't know what to do. It is just so, so hard. And I've just found their interactions to be some some of the best bits of of writing um in the whole year actually mm. and i know we've we've had you know what's happened at blossom hill cottage and we've had bits and pieces in uh, in the courtroom and we've been served up a whole plethora of great writing but this um somewhat has uh, kind of blindsided us or no not 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 necessarily that it's blindsided us but it's put the vicar up front and centre in village life as as a counsellor, as a conciliator, as, you know, a shoulder to cry on, just as a, a shouting board, a, a naked frustration and anger, rightly or wrongly. You know, that's what they're there for. And mm. I know that we have jokingly um, disparaged uh, the church very jokingly you know you know why why is there harvest festival and why is there this and why is there that and you know people believe this and people believe that and it does it doesn't matter what what religion you are um this man who is absolutely psychologically damaged broken evil whatever adjective you want to throw at it um has got nowhere to go and and this shows us that we are human and and everybody is actually part of society and and I just find the whole thing you know uh, quite touching and, and fascinating um, but not so much in the fact that Rob needs some sort of pressure cooker valve you know to be able mm. to release um, his anger or to try and understand what is going on because he can't he can't understand but the effect it actually has on counsellors you know the effect it actually has on those people yeah. that actually need to listen you know, yeah. and then it makes you think about the, you know, the the work of the Samaritans and, and, mm. and things like that. Whoa! Where... Oh, 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 oh! Sorry, that's just reminded me. Congratulations to Amy Gilbert, who's got her volunteering role at the Samaritans. Hurrah! Oh. Well done, Amy. Well done, Amy. Top work. Top work. Um, but yeah, it's just it's in, invaluable, you know. And we live in again taking Rob completely out of this now, but we live in a world where increasingly people find it hard if not nigh impossible to speak to people who are directly around them about the things that are ailing them especially men mm-hmm. uh, and um, yep. you need Alan Francis you, you need those people and we we blithely go around go about our lives you know not thinking about those people who put up the time just to listen and just to be there you know mm-hmm for us when we're in times of distress so i just found all those interactions actually brilliant i say i thought this one was probably the weakest out of the lot but rob just came in just just shouting you know you know and and really it was just the effect it had on the counselor and i just thought it was great absolutely great uh next we have um blithe spirit Hello, Dumpty Dum, Blythe Spirit calling. Well, am I the only person who wanted to line up behind Jill this week to give 
Toby a damn good talking to. And by that I mean not necessarily the verbal variety. He was so, so rude to her. And I'm, to be honest, I am finding it rather tedious that his character and the relationship with Pip is taking more centre stage now. I think that Pip, to be honest, is a complete ingrat. And every time she reverts to type over the boyfriend, she seems to forget that her family are the people who are there for her every time her relationships go memories up. Every single time she goes back to them for support and love and care. And yet as soon as the boyfriend comes along, hey, my boyfriend comes first. Stuff everyone else. Well, Pip, I have a message for you. You made your bed, you go lie in it. I think that Toby Fairbrother, judging by the fact that <laughs> he seems to cause inconvenience, dismay and regret everywhere he goes, is probably a fair indicator of the kind of character that he has. So Pip, if you can't see it, that's your problem. As for Brian, also, am I the only person who thinks that I th- that he may be setting up the House of Aldridge for a serious fall? Um, I think... Debbie is usually the voice of reason and the fact that she is sounding warning bells says quite a lot. We already know that Justin is a complete bastard and he is not above shafting anyone that he comes into contact with, including Lillian, to get what he wants. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't do that to Brian either, even though their relationship is supposed to be based on trust. I'm sorry, I don't buy it. I agree with Royfield. I think Justin is the real baddie here. Um, And something very, very bad is going to happen to the Aldridge family if they take on this land. Anyway, that's it from me. It'll probably be my last call before Christmas, so I hope everyone's enjoying the run-up to the season and that you all have a wonderful holiday. Cheers now. Bye. Pip should lie in her own bed. That would be fine if Toby wasn't in it already, Bloodsbrook. I think... But she's she's just very immature, isn't she? I mean, but she hasn't really been anywhere. She hasn't. She went to college nearby. She hasn't um, done a gap year or anything, you know, to go go anywhere of any sort of significance. She's she's lived kind of her whole life has been the village and the farm and the family. And she's just but she's acting like an 18 Pip. I mean, he's acting like an 18 year old. Well, or a younger, a 17 year old. She's making really bad choices and doggedly sticking to them to cut to spite her own her own face. Yeah, I mean, but you, yeah. I, we we know that because we're, we're viewing the whole situation in the round. But it's a little bit more um, it, it, it's a little bit harder for her to understand that from the position where she is. But I would say that they're all acting like kids with the exception of yes. Ruth. Do you yes. know? Yeah, you know David's being and just going. This isn't going to mess up my Christmas, is it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then, but at least she has the perspective, you know. And she said exactly what you said. This is only going to push Pip further yeah. to closer yeah. to him, you know. But and that, and as for Jill, come on, you know. So they're all acting like children. Yeah, and um, she thinks that Brian's heading for a, a fall. I hope um, so. I think. We are heading into, um, well, in fact, didn't the Telegraph leak it that the next big thing that was going to happen was a will, the will thing? Yeah. Um, and I think that's what this land thing is all going. I think they're going to have to. Do you think they've got an insider in the Archer script writing team who's just, you know, deliberately leaking stuff to the Tory graph? Don't know. 
Or was it some briefing, an off-the-record Archer's briefing? I don't know. I mean, security is so tight all the way around. Security around the storylines and, I don't, you know, confidentiality around the storylines is so... Um, it's so heavy. I can't imagine that happening. Because that, what it was like the the middle of the summer, wasn't it? Yes. When, when that came yeah. out, yeah. And it was kind of everywhere. So I just thought, well, the BBC have just kind of said it's this, you know, it was the new head honcho coming in, and he basically says, right, so we're going to, you know, move on, and this is the direction we go yeah. in, as opposed to a I, leak per se. Yeah. No, it was very, very strange. It's not something they. They they no. can't they, yeah, well, they exactly. hardly ever do it. Well, they never do it. They never to my do. Knowledge. No. Um, anyway, I reckon that this business deal is he's going to get sh- Brian's going to get shafted by Justin. Well, that's as sure as eggs is eggs. That's going to happen. And they're going to end up having to sell off the farm, and he's going to divide it up, and he's going to want to give Rory the lion's share, mm. rather than Adam, because uh, Rory's his 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 own child. Yeah. And all that, and, I, and that's what that's what the will thing is. I well, think I don't know about selling the whole, farm, but but anyway, there was a line, and again because because we had that scene, didn't we, to remind us all that they would all benefit from the will because every time anybody, oh, uh, Dad's asked me up here to talk about the business decision about the land. Oh, hello, Alice, who's going to benefit from my will? Oh, hello, Kate, who's going to benefit from my will? You know, it was just kind of gentle reminders. Yeah. Yes, all these people are involved. And there was a line last week at some point, which is um, there's never been a safer investment than an yeah. investment in land <laughs> oh, since yeah. the 1920s. It's like, uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm it's wondering. Like the little, uh, and yeah. goes off. Goes Isn't off, yeah. this the possibly this is the link between Colvert Gate and the flooding? That actually this land is a pile of pup, and oh. Justin knows it's a pile of pup because he's got the geological survey done. Uh huh. Hence, he wants to get rid. To right, sweet. right. Ah, uh-huh. yes, that's good. I like that. Yes. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's all going to happen next year, isn't it? Do you know what? <sighs> this year has been a little bit busy on a global front, hasn't it? <laughs> Short of alien invasion, there's nothing that hasn't happened. So I'd quite like it next year if not a lot could happen. But I don't mind. I don't mind things happening. On, maybe when things happen on the Archers, every, no, because this year everything's happened on the Archers and everything's happened in yes. the Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Just stop all the things happening. That's what we want. Stop it all. We do need things just to slow down a little, don't we? <laughs> Um, but we've got Freya. French French presidential elections, so yes. they'll just vote in a bony fide. Yeah. I'm not even going to joke and say that I'm not a neo-Nazi. I am a neo-Nazi. Yeah. That's who they're going to vote and in. And I'm proud of it. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yep. Gas chambers. Oh. What gas chambers? Bloody hell. Anyway. Um, Freya, next. Hello. Uh, this is Freya from Liverpool. I'm a first-time caller in at. Uh, although I've sent you one or two dumpty dums in the past, um, so anyway, I think I have to do first time caller in a rules. Uh, so I'm a lecturer in the music department um, at a university up here, and I work here in fact with Emily Baker, who uh, Royfield interviewed for his other podcast just the other week. Um, 
so yeah, I work in the music department and uh, oh, vintage, vintage. I have to do the vintage. I think technically I am a uh, Tregoran because I've only become a, an avid listener this year. But I have been back to start listening to three years of backstory on the story that shall not be named. So in that sense, I'm also a sort of post hoc titchener, which is quite terrifying to think of. So anyway, make of that what you will. My point is simply about Christmas. I want to talk about Christmas because I haven't started my shopping yet, uh, but also because people are talking a lot about how happy a Christmas this is going to be for the Archers family in particular. Kenton was mentioning this uh, this week. The entire Archers clan is going to have a wonderful Christmas. And actually, I would like to observe that I think it is mathematically impossible for that to be true for no other reason than the fact that Christmas this year happens on a Sunday, which, if I'm not mistaken, is one of Rob's access days for the little infant, Giddy Jack. So I've no real idea what's going to happen in the run-up to Christmas, whether we're going to see an abduction or anything, but presuming everything else is equal, Christmas Day itself will absolutely inevitably be tainted by Rob's access to Giddy Jack and that's all I wanted to say so yeah great show thanks very much I think that's one minute 58 seconds bye Freya is a Trigoran and a post hoc Titchener she says you can tell she's <laughs> a post hoc Titchener um, yes you're right Christmas is not going to be happy mathematically impossible or not um, now I don't know if I you can help me here chaps because I don't know if this is right or not Freya says Christmas happens on a Sunday and that's one of Rob's access days for Giddy Jack. But didn't that hearing say that he now, it wasn't Rob saying to Alan and now I can't see him on Christmas Day? Yes. Right. Good. Which means, well, then how can he possibly take him away then? If we think he's going to kidnap him, the natural thing to do would be to have him have his access visit and then leg it with him. Mm. I've never said. I'm not signing up to this. We said he's going to kidnap him at all. That's Sorry, you. Me. No, me and. And your Claire fevered imagination. Me, me and Claire from Clapham. And you and half a Twitter. With our Bruce and to be Willis fair, hostage situation. Yeah, and to be fair, you, Claire from Clapham, and half a Twitter. I'm just yeah. not part of the we. That's all. Okay. I'm just very clearly stepping aside from that mob and saying You're I'm not stepping away from the we. Yes, absolutely. Always wise. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrew Horn now Greetings Earthlings Andrew Horn here I've got two comments about last week's podcast two comments about this week's episodes and something about next week anyway here we go I'm with Roy Field on Tom and Kirsty. I think they will get back together it was only Bridezilla that came between them, the way the wedding got out of hand, and um, and that sort of uh, that's what caused the uh, crisis with Tom. So they will be back together. Um, there won't be any surprises. Um, I'm also enjoying the panto. I think, like the flower and produce show, the switching on of the Christmas lights, the donkey on Palm Sunday is part of the rhythm of the Ambridge year, and uh, I would be sad to see it go. Although I do reach peak panto about a week before it happens and just think I wish it would be over but I'm not there yet so keep it coming now about this last week um on Monday we had Josh up to his usual uh, deflection tactics as soon as someone's having a go at him usually his father it's oh look over there they're being terrible 
And sure enough, um, it was like setting fire to a still, wasn't it? It went off with a real explosion. He's doing what? Off he went. Um, and on Tuesday, we saw the two sides of Kenton in the one episode. We had the wise counsellor to Lizzie and we had the uh, the Peter Pan uh, boy never growing up, mucking around with Toby and the, and the panto stuff and the eternal farting. Um, yeah, that is Kenton in a nutshell. As uh, to the thing for this week, um, we had a fabulous carol concert at St. Dane's, at uh, St. Clement Dane last week. Uh, didn't get to catch up with Tim Bentick at, at the end, I'm afraid. Um, but the singing was really rather good. So I will recommend uh, the repeat performance on Wednesday this week uh, at St. Sepulchre, which is near St. Paul's, seven o'clock. Catherine Kavanagh and I are singing. Nancy Dickey's coming to listen and for a drink afterwards so any of you london-based loitering around that neck of the woods uh come and join us bye i love horn you know yes that's because he agrees with you that uh, (laughs) to get together you only ever say you agree with you like people when they agree with you no when they start their calls with i agree with royfield and then you go i really like them Tell, tell me when I can like defend myself. Go on. No. Nope. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Blythe Spirit. No, always say I love Blythe Spirit. I forgot to say it this week. She frequently disagrees with me. That's true. There you go. Okay. Well done. Um, he's enjoying the panto. Bless you, Andrew. You are a lovely, non-cynical. Um. <laughs> word sort of sort of um not not naive in a in a, in a slightly dense way but just but you're just gonna naive, just say that in anyway a, optimistic and lovely but you way you said that anyway yes because he likes everything to be all nice a, and we all like a bit you're of... a damaged bitter woman you know <laughs> <laughs> we all like i'm a bit with of... andrew i want everything to be fluffy rain fluffy marshmallow <laughs> clouds and rainbows no. and unicorns i do and you moan you go oh it's boring oh. Nothing's when? happened. No, that's and not you true. Say, you say, what? what did you think about this week? Well, nothing really happened, did it? What are you talking about? I said, I've been saying we've get, been getting our archers back. Yes, but then when it gets too flour and produce, then you start going, no, oh, well, Listen, I hate it when they put all the agricultural stuff into a farming <laughs> soap. I'll, I'll be quite honest with you about that. You just they want can... them all wandering around a shopping centre, don't you? That well, would listen, make all I want is for people just to interact, chat with each other, go down the pub, have a drink, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. All this farming stuff. <laughs> you know, a new drills and set a bloody side, herbal lays and whatever. No. Set a bloody side. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I suppose they have to give it a context, don't they? So we know that we're think... not listening to Crossroads, you know, like you have, or EastEnders. You have, you have matricide and all that. Set as wide is when you kill all your crops. <laughs> <laughs> um, and lastly, we have... Chris, Truf- well, no, he's called Chris from Manchester, but he's also Trefusis24 on the Twitters. Hello, Roger, Lucy and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. Chris from Manchester here, occasional caller in error and Trefusis24 on the Twitters. I've been wondering whether I'm the only person wondering why we keep hearing snippets about Benny Carvalho. Apart from the fact he sounds like the kind of bloke who would have sold Kent in a sunset red 4x4, I'm wondering whether he'll be the ultimate buyer of Grange Farm. 
as the Grundy's inability to afford the rent is being heavily flagged up, and a homeless Grundy storyline story is something we haven't heard for at least a couple of months. If Benny came to Ambridge, it would surely divide opinion between the villagers. Susan would probably revel in the glamour of having a celebrity neighbour, but Jenny and Linda would be snobby about new money moving into the village. Also, if Kaz rocks up with her kids in tow, her choice of eligible bachelors will be Roy or Benny. Now, who would you go for? The millionaire footballer or Mr. Boring Spreadsheet? It's probably all a slight of fancy, but it makes a nice alternative to muttering Nick's fleeces about Toby. If Jill's quick with the needle, she should, could be able to sew him into that flipping turkey outfit and send him off to market. Anyway, speak to you all soon. Bye. Mm. I don't remember him ringing in before, you know. I do. Oh, okay. Because uh, I just thought you said that deliberately to flout conventions of, you know, to go through the whole rigmarole. But yeah, do you remember he did. I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure that he did okay. do it properly. Um, yes, Benny Carvalho. He's popped up a couple of times, hasn't he? He popped <laughs> up as the one who he was. It was Benny Carvalho, as um, Fallon Susan. calls him. Oh, okay. Who, yeah, and Su- uh, Susan mentioned him as well because yeah. he was the one who had his photograph taken by that company that Susan yes. uh, went to and then got vomited on. And um, uh, it was also he was doing, she was doing, a, Fallon was doing a wedding or something for something to do with uh, Benny Carvalho was going to be at the wedding. And then she said he was going to come and open the fate. So Chris can foresee him, Benny Carvalho, moving into the village but there isn't a house i mean unless he goes and buys arkwright hall or something there exactly. isn't a house that a footballer would live in is oh there? Whoa, whoa 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 but but you're wrong here right because at the start of the show uh when i schooled you on the fact that he's not a premiership footballer oh so he wouldn't be earning that much no 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 uh, oh. a, a, he's in the fourth tier of english football so he's going to be earning um about 50k 60k a year if he's if he's average now admittedly he's supposed to be a brazilian so you think he's going to be a little bit more you know better than better than average but he's still in the fourth tier of english football he's not even earning 100k he's not for and you know so we're not talking premiership levels of, of cashola at all he's going okay. to be earning a pretty bog standard wage okay but i can't if there aren't any there aren't any houses though Oh, there's Still. loads of houses. What, for that? No, for that he, he, could, he couldn't afford them. But I'm just saying there's loads of houses. But he wouldn't, you wouldn't move to, you wouldn't move to a little village in the middle of nowhere if you're a footballer. You just wouldn't anyway, unless you're right, you're going to buy Arkwright Hall because you're playing for Arsenal or something. Wouldn't you? Because, because do all those footballers, sorry, you know this isn't my area of expertise, <coughs> are you going to pontificate about it anyway? Yeah, absolutely. If it, go on. but they wouldn't they all go and live in little tiny villages though, like around Cheshire, those ones. Well, no, right? Because number one, even if they do live in a village, it's going to be in a new build. You know, your brash flash. Oh, what are those terrible ones with that look like? conference centers that have pillars outside and lights and gold <laughs> exactly rings. i and, love them and like all I mean, they're the... awful but they're so interesting to look at you've revealed so much about your innate snobbery there <laughs> it's, what do you mean it's i don't hide it do i for crying out <laughs> <laughs> no, i didn't say that you're hidden snobbery you're innate it's just written into your dna isn't it but all <laughs> those all those kind of big footballers that play for Manchester teams that, you know, they either live in some 
bachelor apartment within the city of Manchester or the English ones get out to somewhere like Bramwell or kind of Cheadle Hume and whatever, but they're not living in little, little cottages per se at all, at right. all, at all, at all. So are you saying after all that that Bernie Caravaglio is not going to come and live in Ambridge? Because gonna... Chris has already got him married off to Kaz, who also doesn't <laughs> live in Ambridge. So you're going to be disappointing both of them, quite frankly. Mm. Talking talking about people being married off to whomever, uh, Tracy Horobin. Yeah. We, if ever there's foreshadowing that maybe you know a character's going to come back, it's got to be her, and we want her back, don't we? Yeah, we do. We love her. Mm. Well, do you remember um, uh, when Charlotte doesn't... came on the show? Yeah, uh, and she, she was saying, you know, she's great to act against and all that sort of thing. No, she's... I want, I want Vicky back. I think you might get your wish. Yay! New broom. Yay. There's a new broom in town. Yay! Mm. <sighs> oh, now we've had an email in from mm. Vicky Cole, mm-hmm. who said, "Hi everyone. Well, what an unpleasant person Josh is to be. <laughs> That's twice now he's deflected attention from his own misdoings to land Pip and Toby in it. I think Andrew Horn said the same thing. I rather hope he comes unstuck with the Richard Thwaite lawnmower deal. And Pip is also thoroughly self-centred. I'm surprised she can't see through the awfulness of Toby. Do we conclude that Ruth and David are bad parents? It wasn't something I've been conscious of. I don't think. What we need is an appearance by Ben so we can see how he's turning out. I will try and call her in her soon. Lots of love to all Dumpty Dummers. Vicky. Do we think... No, they're not bad parents. Ruth and David, bad parents. They're not bad parents. Right on one side of the paper only. They're not bad parents. They're not. No. And I and I wish um, I had more to, to throw at this than that because any time I can spend uh, responding to, to my Vicky Keel, um, I, I'd, I'd like to do that. But I just, they're just not, though, are they? Yes, I, I. What? What was that? I said I think they are. Really? Bad yep. parents. Not bad, bad parents. This is just, exactly what you just said. You just said I think they are, and the question think, was they're bad parents. You <laughs> says I think they are. Explain yourself, Freeman. I think they're neglectful. That's not. It's not the same, though, is it? Well, there's gradations of bad, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's absolutely. Rob Titchener bad. I don't think. Is, I don't know. necessarily think that they that they are neglectful, but I fully. I think they're good parents. I didn't say that either. Yeah, I just do think you? they're parents. I just think they're pretty standard, really. <laughs> Ruth has an insight with her daughter. And she can see things much more in the round. Maybe it's because it's, you know, Jill's kicking off and it's Dave, it's David's mum, so you kind of can't quite see it. But she's displayed there a a level of empathy and understanding. Yes, uh, Pip can't cook, uh, but, you know, there's worse crimes to, to, you know, to leave your kids facing adulthood adulthood than that. both of them educationally have done all right. None of them have died of rickets or diphtheria or starvation. <laughs> the social services haven't been called. I think they're pretty Blimey, your standard bar is parents. Set pretty low. No, for... no, no. I'm saying they're pretty <laughs> standard parents, really. I don't think they're going to win parents, parent of the year. But I think you'd struggle. You'd struggle to find um, a child that has been reared in Ambridge, of which you could say their parents are parents of the year. Their parents. Fallon. 
Oh, come on. Her dad's been in Nick and all sorts. What are you yeah, talking about? Jolene is brilliant. And Jolene is... Parents. Parents uh, of oh, the year. Oh, come on. The question was, bad parents, parents oh, of the year. Mr. Pedant, honestly. No, 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 no. Me, pedantic, no. It's just that you are so pernickety about the finite use of the English language. I just thought I'd just hang you on your own petard there. <laughs> well, that's wrong for a start. It should be hoist. What did I say? Hang. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> and I hate you when you're right. <laughs> But anyway, I won the argument fundamentally. <laughs> However, you got a little jab in there at the end. <laughs> okay, then we'll leave it like that. Awesome. Right. So, Juicy Loose, uh, camp coffee break. Oh, I haven't had camp coffee in a long time. So, camp coffee break, what are you going to have? Uh, just more fizzy water, I expect. Oh, you're so healthy. Um, and then we'll see you the other side of some advertisements uh, with a touch of Millie Bell followed by some tweets of the week. In an uncertain world, there is always music which can be listened to in good company. Welcome to Friday 15, the show where we speak to friends and interesting people to the backdrop of great tunes and allocate 15 minutes to both. I mean, I was eight years old, interesting, the same age as the uh, Dragon King's daughter when she comes out of the sea. But um, well, what was happening to me when I was eight years old was that I was at the hands of a paedophile in, um, in a classroom for a year. And... Awesome. Yeah. Um, for me, I... Well, and I think the reason that I somehow managed to, to win in the end is that, for me, it's about an economy of the three things that bring a song together. Catch up with me speaking to friends and interesting people every Friday afternoon on Friday 15, which you can get, of course, from a podcatcher of your choice. G'day everyone. Well, this is a very interesting turn up for the books because this week we have been much busier on the forum than we have been on Facebook, uh, which is really unusual for me. So I'm going to start with Facebook and finish with uh, our forum. Uh, We were discussing the fact that Brian seemed to be having a family meeting without the family members actually being at the meeting uh, and Anne Charles said I don't understand how they had all that money ready to buy Brookfield two years ago but are now worrying about a much lower sum has the fall in the pound really been that bad uh, spoon says that's one way to ensure agreement only hearing one side of a debate well that's true uh, Liz Villalobos Kate's concerns about not knowing anything useful about farming and estate planning were true to form I loved it that they actually asked her when normally they ask her nothing. And uh, Pauline Midwinter said, yes, it was more like, come and stroke my ego. (laughs) 
So on our forum, we have been discussing all sorts of things. Uh, one of the ones that uh, I found really interesting was started by uh, Fiona Siobhan Powell, and it was about Jill and the many faces of the elderly. Now, I really encourage you to go and read that because uh, the introduction and the context is really, really important to, to read. But it's basically about you can't uh, box in, uh, well, like you can't box in any group, but there isn't one size fits all for older people. Uh, with a spoon in response to this said, interesting, we all complained when no one in the Archer family, the Bridge Farm branch, stood up to Rob, but now when someone in the Archer family is standing up to Toby, uh, we are all accused her of losing it, and that of course is true. Uh, so uh, I really encourage you to go and have a look at that. It's a really interesting uh, short discussion, but you might want to get involved. The next one really confused me because the title is Hottie Jill has achieved the unthinkable. And I was a bit perplexed. I was thinking, well, I'm sure she was a hottie in her day, but she's not really a hottie now. Sure, well, you know, maybe she is, but, you know, not in the context we've been listening to her. But it was actually meant to say, who's she, Jill? <laughs> and so Diana Telford, uh, Diane Telford says, because Hootie Jill has now hooted off of Toby, do you know what? I'm starting to feel sorry for the reprehensible twerp. This is not acceptable. And after Davy told her to wind her neck in, I think she might need help. So if you would like to read a little more about Hootie and Hottie Jill, uh, you need to uh, jump onto our forum. Another discussion was about Lillian and the scarf and Adam, also started by Fiona Siobhan Powell. And uh, I think it's worth getting involved because there's a number a number of suggestions for um, how this is going to unfold. So really suggest you uh, jump on and get involved in that. Christmas plot predictions. Uh, Choppy 1989. So guys, what do we think will be the big drama in Ambridge this year? I think Pink, Pip and Toby will be a major plot line. Rob will do something awful, of course. And my Christmas wish will be to see a return of Debbie to give Brian a clip around the year about purple lays. Uh, hanging festive Christmas predictions on the Dumpty Dum Tree, please. Uh, so far, we've only got Miss Mid-City, who's got some great suggestions, but we would like you to get your suggestions up there too, please. One is that the Widow Pargeter and Dr. Locke will have Christmas kiss. The Panto will lurch from near disaster to utter triumph. That's not really a prediction, Miss Mid-City. That happens every year. Uh, the next discussion was about Neve's call Toby versus Rob. This was start by Lexi B. And this has started quite a discussion. I was so struck by the recent discussions about Rob, Toby having Rob-like tenancies. I know the Rob storyline was hard to listen to, but I think one of the main educational takeaways was that this can happen to anyone at any time. And I feel these things happen on a spectrum from seemingly benign to fatal violence on the other end. So uh, a bit more serious, but certainly worth uh, jumping on and get involved. We have discussions uh, about Roy and Kirsty, started by Audrianne Cavarubius. I hope I've said that correctly. And hearing the artist characters where you least expect it, started by Abby Stern. Just came home from honeymoon in Sri Lanka and the Maldives, keeping up to date with the archers. We flew everywhere using Sri Lankan airways, and I was pleasantly surprised to hear Alison Dowling voicing the safety video. Awesome! So, yes, if you would like to get involved, please do. Uh, I'll see you next week. Hooroo! Millie Bell, that was awesome! Uh, juicy loose. <laughs> so, the forum's going well then, she said. <laughs> 
Tweet of the week. David Absalom, who mm. says, the unresolved sexual tension between Jill and Toby is bound to end with a romp in the hay by lambing. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that. That is the most disturbing tweet ever. Um, the Harlequin pub uh, mm. suggests... Dead or in Birmingham, the new family game for Christmas. <laughs> There's a lot of tweets thrown my way about that. Dead or in Birmingham. <laughs> oh, Alice Woodward said, don't bother making wise sounding statements, Peggy. I remember. Make sure you hang on to this one, Helen, about Rob. <laughs> <laughs> now, this one completely mystified me. But it's the kind of jaw-dropping tweet that you get when you're an archers person. Lily Minster said, when is the nativity play? Just making sure I won't be driving at the time because I missed the motorway exit last time. <laughs> the hell happened last time that you missed the motorway exit and the archers nativity? And um, the tweet of the week is... Uh, from Susan Smallads and if you don't follow Susan Smalls I suggest that you do uh, on the Twitters uh, lots of very interesting adverts go up this one says free to collector due to imminent land sale 50 barrels of nuclear waste some minor leaks phone Justin Elliott 07467 <laughs> <laughs> very good yes we have some very clever people that, that like the arches, don't we? We do. We do yep. indeed. Mm. Right then, best start wrapping this mama jammer up, or this mother plucker up. Dumjadum.com, go there. Uh, there's awesome things on there. Oh, you can go there and get your Christmas apparel, uh, which has got Dumjadum all over it. So if your loved one like listens to this podcast, and if they don't listen to this podcast and you think they do, should do, I should say, go on to dumdum.com, go get some Christmas swag. Uh, also, well, of course, you could be like Christine and Steve when they do actually listen, and they have been listening for 10 years, but you just didn't know that they did. Yeah. Could be like that. Out yourself. That's it. Out yourself as actually being <laughs> an Archers and a Dum Dum fan yeah. by just like coming down on Christmas Day sporting a Dum Dum t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Get yourself drummed out of your own family faster than anything else. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Also, there's another reason to go to dumdydum.com. Tractor. It's awesome, folks. This tractor thing actually kind of kind of works. Even when it doesn't work, it works. So there's 337 Dumdy Dummers that are on tractor. Now, I've looked at that tractor map, Lucy, and I've seen that uh, certain Dumdy Dummers live in certain bits of London. Now, I just happened to be minding my own business the other day in a coffee shop Saturday morning as you are because you're a sad mother plucker like me you, you're actually working <laughs> on a Saturday morning and the person next door to me guess what guess what she did Luce uh the can can uh, guess again Irish country dancing third and final guess uh, don't know picked her nose she probably did that actually though um don't know about the Irish country dancing or the can-can, but she probably did pick her nose. But she opened up her laptop and then you went on to the dumdydum.com website and guess who it was? <laughs> I don't know. It was our au pair all the way over from France. So Emily Thomas, 75. That's the one. That's the one. And you know what, Lucy? What? I, all I did was I was really calm. Right. 
my my all I of a sudden screamed. my heart rate went up from like a resting <laughs> pace to something like Usain Bolt would have been proud of, right? <laughs> but I just very calmly just pointed at the screen and went, "That's me," and she went, "Ah, Rife!" and we hugged. It was emotion. Aww. It was all emotion. Starbucks. And you know what? I, I'd never been more made up and happy. And anyway, we were there for about four hours. She did her thing. She's proper smart. She read um, Le Soir um, online and she read uh, the Greek uh, equivalent of that in the original Greek because she's clever like that. And she was a bundle of loveliness. And I know oh. all about her family coming from mid Wales. And uh, the fact she can speak about 10, 15 million, hundred different languages. And she wants to go and travel to uh, Peru. No, Chile. Ooh. But not Chile, not Chile. And uh, do do good works <laughs> down there. So she's planning on doing that next year. And oh, we just, it was lovely. So uh, Emily Thomas, uh, it was lovely meeting you. And it is the power of Tractor because actually... Tractor told me that that's kind of where she lived. It was only afterwards I thought, hmm, I was in Shoreditch. And it says she lives, you know, kind of somewhat in Shoreditch. And that's the reason why, folks, I say to you, get onto dumdum.com and get Tractor in. Because you never know who you might be sat next to in a coffee shop. And I only knew that she's a dum dum person because she actually went on the dum dum website. If she hadn't done that, I wouldn't have known. And that would have been an opportunity missed. And wouldn't that have been sad? I keep saying we need a secret sign. Hmm. Yes. Or we could just use tractor. Yeah. In absence of a secret sign. But I like the idea of a secret sign. When I had secret societies when I was little, we always had a secret sign. Did you? Yeah. For example. And passwords and code words and pretend names. And it all took so long to Sounds set up. Sounds like never the had Freemasons. Time. I know. It also took so long to set up. We never had any time to actually play the thing because I'd spent so long <laughs> sorting out the rules. <laughs> well <sighs> then it was tea time and then we all had to go in feel free lucy uh over the imminent christmas break to think of a secret sign and then uh to gesticulate well, someone that suggested hello Dumb you two no 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 that was very good this week because uh, hello oh. you two is with attainment that's mark commode and oh. simon mayo so that was very good this week of which okay. somebody did say to me on the Twitters, Royfield, did you say that? And I went, uh, no, I was too busy squeaking and, and hugging uh, to think of that. But hey. Hmm. Special um, shout goes out to Christopher, Christopher Brown in Hanover in Germany because you're the first dum dummer in Germany on tractor. Just saying. I told you, didn't I, that Derek was on the tube and the person next yes. to him put put thing and he didn't, he wanted to say, hello, I'm Derek. But then he thought she might scream and hit him. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't really know what to do so yes we see this comes up often we need to we need to have a plan for this mm. for just such an eventuality mm. well i'm gonna repeat what i've said before it's kind of really the reason why we have tractor however lucy i'll repeat why don't you have a think right come back after christmas and then on this <sighs> podcast you can show us all the secret sign okay that would be tricky because no one can see me but anyway I'll give it a go. Folks, this is the season where you should be splashing all your cash on your loved ones. So don't throw any our way because it's a season for goodwill to all men, but that means your family and uh, people around you. So 
screw Patreon or any of that <laughs> stuff and hitting the donate <laughs> button. Forget it. Forget it. Forget it. Now, remember. That's a great message for a podcast. That is screw Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> but unscrew it in January, folks. <laughs> Normal service should be resumed in January. Um, remember, folks, to get in contact. You can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on our website, or you can call us on 0203-031-3105 to leave us a telephonic message. Um, on social media, specifically Twitter, you can tweet us. Oh, sorry, you can find us where we are at Dumdy Dum. Me, I'm at Royfield. Harriet is at Sandbridges. And I am at Lucy V. Freeman. And... On the Book of Face, uh, you can find us by simply typing in Dumdy Dum and you can join the Millie Bell Show because she's awesome over there and um, she does great work. Now, Lucy V. Freeman, is there anything else you would like to say before uh, we skip out? No, apart from I'm quite hungry and I might go and have a jacket potato now. Oh, that's all really. Hmm. I've had, oh, I'll tell you what I had. What? Um, Maisha made me a very nice afternoon tea because she knows her dad likes an afternoon tea. She cut. She made me some cucumber sandwiches on Saturday. She got oh. some little fairy cakes from Marks and Sparks. Oh crap! It was your birthday, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Shit! And um, she I thought did, it was next Friday. It, she did ham. Oh shush! Doesn't matter. Uh, and then she oh. got me. She made some ham and uh, mustard sarnies. And do some little cheese ones, cut them up finger styly, uh, made me a cup of tea. It was lovely. Aww. I took a picture of it and everything. I was, I was very proud. I was a very proud dad. So, That's yeah. very sweet. Mm. At least you didn't throw your Christmas parts in the bin. <laughs> in the post box. <laughs> <laughs> no, because uh, don't send any. Cat, no. that is old school. Is it? You got shit. Oh, of course it is. Who sends? Other than like old Me. people and you, who else sends Christmas cards anymore? Well, all the people I get them from. Well, people in it's, people in suburbia, maybe. But us metropolitan types, we don't send them. What do you do then? Um, what you do is you don't bother with that antiquated uh, tradition. It's like birthday cards. For the mo- you only get birthday cards from your mother, your father, your grandparents, if you're still lucky to have them, and that's just about it. Because everybody just says, happy birthday on Facebook now. Oh. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just telling you that's the way life is now, Lucy. Hmm. Only hmm. if you let it. But I appreciate you're a proper uh, person of the community. The community. So for you, <laughs> right, you know... You actually do know your neighbours. And I think, yes. you know, if people actually know their neighbours properly, right, you know, and there's a bit of a, a street community, then you still might, you know, be part of this dying tradition. I think it's very sad that people don't send Christmas cards to the extent that, you know, what they're used to. But uh, not so sad that you send any. I don't know my neighbours. They don't know me. Where do I live, Lucy? Well, I don't know. There's a variety of places. There you go. There, there is the root of the of the problem in terms of the reason why I don't send Christmas cards. Have you picked your hat up yet? Yes. Did you like it? Oh gosh, I forgot to say thank you. 
Thank you for my hat, Lucy. <laughs> did you like it? <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. And tell the tell the ladies and gentlemen and the boys and girls at home mm. what was on your hat. It's signed by Kimi Raikkonen because Lucy knows that I really like Formula One. And she went to something and she had this Ferrari signed cap. And Kimi Raikkonen is the next Formula One world champion. He won it in 2007. It's all right. Don't get And he's called the Iceman. And he likes to eat an ice cream and he drives for Ferrari. So it was awesome. Thank you, Lucy Freeman. And I forgot to say thank you. And that's very rude of me. I've had it for about two weeks. Um, well, that was your birthday present. Ha! No, it wasn't. Um, <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was last year's Christmas present, I think. <laughs> Did you also get the thing that you're supposed to stick on your laptop? The Captain America thing that was inside the envelope. What? But you didn't, did you? Did you throw it away? Oh, crumbs. I feel like Tilly. Oh. <laughs> I despair. I am surrounded by more. I, I saw the cap. I didn't see it. <laughs> gotta laugh, don't you? You gotta laugh. <laughs> well, you send another one, can't you? No, I can't even remember where I bought that one from. Now, you great fool! Well, you actually spent good money on yes, buying me something, I did. and you put it in the recycling bin, you silly ass. Oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> so, just imagine I did get it. Where would I have stuck it on my laptop? You can stick it up your bum hole now. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> Sorry, Lucy. It's fine. It's not really, it's though, is it? I it's not. It, Lucy, it's, it's not fine. I, I need... Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So, I really need to take a long, hard look at myself. You do. Thank you. <laughs> Should we go now? Yes.